Thank you, everybody. It's uh, good to be with you here again today, although obviously we were hoping that we wouldn't have to keep doing these COVID briefings, but uh, we thought given where the virus activity is at in our communities, it made sense uh, to resurrect these briefings and give you uh, some updates on what we're seeing. And also very similar to what we've done in the past, share with you some of the data uh, and some of what we think might happen and trends and, and some of the recommendations and so forth. So uh, as we've done before, uh, wanted to share those trends more locally because I think there's a lot of information out there and things that we're seeing at the national level, even at the statewide level, but of course, um, this tends to be a very local dynamic as we have said all along and so, um, what's going on within our communities here in central and northeastern Pennsylvania ends up being matters of particular interest for us. I think the bottom line here is since the late summer, so in the last two months, three months or so, uh, we have seen continuing rise in the COVID virus activity in our communities and uh, the hospitals as a result have been pretty overwhelmed uh, from a capacity standpoint with these COVID cases. Uh, the trends um, since last January um, have really been challenging capacity. You know, you heard us talk about that last winter in terms of cases and as they rise, it takes up beds, resources, and uh, really means that it affects not just those who have COVID, but also those who may need care for non-COVID items as well. Um, I think the local trends are still somewhat concerning. Um, and we'll share the data here in a moment, but especially if you put that into the context of coming up on cold and flu season, which we know uh, tends to hit us each year. Last year was a little bit of an anomaly because we were of course socially distanced and folks were masked and so forth um, due to COVID. But as a result, I think uh, what happened was we didn't see as much of flu last year. Um, but, uh, you know, we are entering that season with the colder weather, so that's reason for some concern as well. I think the other, we'll share the data here with you momentarily, and also things that we can do as a community to prevent and uh, the precautionary measures. A lot of these are still the same, uh, but we do know more about the vaccine or more about the virus at this point, including the vaccine. Um, and so we want to share some of those data as well. Uh, before we start, I think uh, as we've done before, I always take every opportunity I can just to thank our staff and thank the healthcare workers that are out there who may not even be our staff because they are on the front lines battling this thing, whether you're the environmental services folks helping to clean and disinfect the rooms and uh, keep our environments clean or our nurses uh, front frontline at the bedside working with both COVID patients and those who continue to be ill with other issues. Our physicians and other providers, of course, uh, continuing to bring the very best in care uh, to these communities. Um, I can go on and on. There are radiation technologists, there are ultrasonographers, there are food service workers that, that help to bring a piece of home, uh, food for uh, both patients and for families. I mean, these are critical functions and uh, they continue to rise to this challenge. And so I wanna thank them before we dive into the data. Excuse the noise here. You may hear a little bit of a helicopter. That's probably one of the transports uh, flying above us right now, but let me keep going and hopefully you could still hear me. Um, 
As far as the data, we could shift gears to that right now. And I think you may be seeing a graph at this point that shows that this next wave has started spiking up. Uh, we'll see if it's flattening or continuing to go up or uh, hopefully we can get it to go down. Um, I think uh, what, we, what the key point here though is that locally our trends are still somewhat concerning. Uh, over the last week or two, we have seen and hovered around 180 to 200 hospitalized cases uh, across all of our campuses. Um, and that's comparable to where we were roughly last mid-November. Um, now we were at that point on the way up last mid-November and then at that point on the way down sort of in the late January timeframe. But uh, this is very reminiscent of the levels that we were seeing uh, back last winter. And so that gives us a little bit of concern as I mentioned. Um, other areas across the country, we're hearing a lot about other areas that have already peaked, they're on their way down. We're not quite seeing that yet. We are not yet dropping consistently the way that we would like. So I think the long story short here is that we're not out of the woods. And at the same time, of course, we have events and schools and all these things that are more open this year than last year. Thank goodness, I know we all need that, but at the same time, those are ways that the virus continues to spread. And so uh, that does give us concern and hopefully it gives all of us some concern. Um, over the past five months, so since about May, if you look at all of the folks that have been hospitalized at our campuses, and believe it or not, this number is fairly consistent with what others across the industry are seeing, uh, about 90% of those that are hospitalized have not been vaccinated. And if you talk to many of our frontline uh, workers, uh, they'll tell you that um, many of these folks come in, uh, they're not vaccinated, but they um, uh, sort of, I think it's uh, remorse, uh, if I can frame it that way, where they wish they had been. And some of them even request the vaccine then, but of course, as we all know, vaccines are uh, prevention things, they're not treatment. And so by the time you're already hospitalized, that's too late for the vaccine, which is why we're really trying to strongly encourage folks to go ahead and get that vaccine uh, because it is a proven and effective way to dampen the spread of the virus. And we know that when we dampen the spread and activity level of the virus, uh, that reduces the chances uh, for there to be mutations that can continue to propagate and uh, have this pandemic last longer. Um, couple uh, of key facts around the vaccine. We know and uh, there's emerging evidence and the latest CDC studies that show that vaccinated folks are five times less likely to get any kind of infection, although um, there are breakthrough infections with it, but you're five times less likely to get a COVID infection, 10 times less likely to be hospitalized uh, with COVID infection, and then 11 times less likely uh, to die from COVID. And so that's pretty compelling evidence uh, that the vaccine does work. And that's been a big part of why we've been pushing it and encouraging for everybody uh, to, to uptake on that vaccine. A couple other data points that I wanna make sure I hit on. Um, you've heard us talk before about leading indicators, things that show us what may come over the coming week or two. And one of those leading indicators that we've been tracking from the beginning is the percent positive testing rate that we're seeing. 
And uh, since August, so for the last three, two and a half months or so, um, we have seen a positive testing rate of about 11% over the last two weeks. It's bumped a little bit up to 13%, which again, that trend is a little concerning. And then just to uh, put that into perspective, back in July, uh, we had a positive testing rate that hovered between 2 and 3%. And so the activity level here is climbing. Um, we'll see what the next couple weeks have in store. Uh, we hope that they'll continue to flatten a little bit, but uh, the percent positivity rate going higher is, is definitely something to keep an eye on that suggests that the worst is still yet to come. Um, the other thing here to note is, of course, our employees, as we've said all along, are mere reflections of our communities. And so all of us, myself included, who are employees here at Geisinger, are residents of these communities. And so when the virus activity spreads in the community, it spreads among our employees as well. And so um, a good illustration of that, of course, we follow the Pennsylvania Department of Health guidelines to a T, and those guidelines uh, are very different for healthcare workers in terms of who needs to be out on quarantine and for what periods of time. But in the recent weeks, we have seen our numbers of employees that are out on quarantine climb above 1,000. And I think the other thing to note here is for various of those scenarios, of course, um, when someone is vaccinated, the duration of their quarantine is much lower than when they're not vaccinated. And so that's another reason why the vaccination effort really is critically important. Um, I think the last thing on the data front is uh, the mutations, and, and I think the one that we've all heard about here is the one that uh, has been uh, the most active, and that's the Delta mutation. Uh, but the mutations happen when people get infected, and then there's an opportunity for the virus to pivot a little bit and to change its makeup. And that helps it to continue to evade, uh, whether it's immunity or other things, and sometimes it, it pivots in a way that makes it more infectious. And so the way to really get ahead of that is to limit the ability of the virus to spread at all. And so we know that those precautions that we've been em emphasizing from the beginning, whether it's the masking, the distancing, hand hygiene, um, uh, especially indoors, crowded environments, um, I think those are places that are particularly uh, troubling. And then, of course, the biggest is um, vaccination. And so we've been uh, continuing to uh, incorporate that as part of our message and encourage folks to do that. Um, and so on that front, uh, if you all could help us out, I know that in prior briefings we've asked for your help. Uh, I think we're going to do the same this time as to get that message out and help us to continue to do that. What does this surge mean? Well, I referenced it a little bit earlier. It really is pushing up against our capacity. At this point, uh, not to flood you with numbers, but uh, COVID admissions in our hospital take up about one out of every six beds. And that's about 16, 17% of our overall bed capacity, if you do the math. Some sites, some campuses, that number is over 40% of our beds being occupied with COVID positive patients. And so as a result, uh, the dimmer switch that we've talked about before in terms of non-emergent, non-urgent uh, clinical procedures, uh, we have had to uh, toggle that back 
uh, to accommodate the, the rise in COVID cases. And so this is a good example of what I referenced earlier, where um, as COVID activity goes up, it's not just the COVID patients that are impacted, it's those with other issues and other clinical needs are also impacted. Now, again, if it's an emergency, if it's got clinical urgency, if there's a disease progression uh, dynamic at play, of course, we're continuing to do those. But things that um, don't have that urgency or emergency, but are still issues that need to be addressed, those are the things that we've been able to dial back on the dimmer switch. But that doesn't mean those are not necessary. These are things that have been nagging people. This may be that bum knee that you've had for uh, months, if not years, and uh, you really do need that knee replacement. That's an example of something that obviously affects your quality of life, doesn't, may not be emergent, um, but is something that um, you want to get taken care of sooner rather than later. Um, and so it impacts people like that as well. Um, the other is um, just going back to the capacity issue in the, in the hospitals. Um, the capacity, of course, as I mentioned, nine out of every 10, so 90% of those with COVID are unvaccinated. And so that's another reminder of where we believe that with vaccination efforts um, and the more we can push that, um, a lot of that capacity would free up as the uh, COVID cases uh, would continue to hopefully abate. As far as uh, shifting gears here to the vaccine, and as you all know, we did announce a um, vaccine mandate for all workers at Geisinger. Uh, that was at the end of August that we had addressed that. I wanna talk a little bit about that. And also this notion of the twindemic, and I put that in quotes. Uh, it's the idea that you could be infected with COVID and flu together. As we said last year, that's not the combination that you want. It's a one-two punch that could very well knock you out. And so we're trying to prevent that and also take the opportunity to encourage people not only to be vaccinated against COVID, but also to get their flu vaccines. Uh, we're starting to see respiratory viruses already, whether it's RSV or rhinovirus, we're starting to see that. We haven't seen flu pick up yet, but of course we're very early in the season and that's why we have an opportunity here to really encourage our communities to get uh, flu vaccination and we think that'll help to, keep, to stem that tide as well. The other, um, just getting back to our employee mandate, uh, I wanna take a moment, first of all, again, to thank all of our employees, uh, really grateful for, for those that have gone ahead and gotten vaccinated. Uh, and by doing so, they're helping to promote a safer environment for our patients, our staff, and for our communities. Um, but really, since we've announced that vaccine mandate at the end of August, we've been hard at work, and many of our clinical experts have been hard at work um, bringing information so that people can make a more informed choice to get people more comfortable with the facts around the vaccine. And as a result, I'm pleased to report we've had a very good response an overwhelming response. We now have over 95% of our employees that have met the vaccination requirement or are in the process of doing so. And uh, our deadline of November 1, which is coming up in a couple weeks, uh, we're pretty excited and looking forward to getting that to 100%. So that's the status update there. Um, and again, I think it's important to keep in mind why 
the why here is because we know that we want to produce the safest environment possible for patients to get their care, for other staff and employees to come into work, and for our communities in terms of doing battle against this pandemic. Um, I think the other thing that's important to note here is that uh, by doing this, uh, we're really doing our part to help stem the tides in the community around us. Uh, but also we know and we've heard from many of our employees and patients who are super grateful that we made this move because they were concerned uh, that things weren't as safe as perhaps they wanted it to be. And so I think it really gets down to, if I drilled it down, we know that a vaccinated environment is safer than an unvaccinated environment. We know that a masking environment is safer than a non-masking environment. We also know that being outdoors is safer than being indoors. And we know that less people is safer than more people. Now, all of these things um, we get, and trust me, uh, we've all been doing this a while, all of us in the community, and we're sick of doing this. I totally understand that, myself included. Um, but if we look at each of those dimensions and be mindful of our actions, I think that'll help get us through and, and hopefully continue to see or hopefully begin to see uh, the activity level uh, go down rather than go up. A couple other comments I'll mention. Uh, you heard me talk about uh, the flu vaccine. Uh, we are pushing it strongly. So on our website, you will see activity around um, or information on where you can get the flu vaccine. And of course, even outside of Geisinger, uh, they're available at many sites. So we encourage people to do that. Um, and then the other is because we have more activity going on in the communities and in society overall versus where we were last year, uh, we know that um, you know, there's a higher risk here that there could be transmission of flu as we approach that season, especially with the uh, colder months and people start heading indoors. And so that vaccination effort becomes very, very important. And so we wanna encourage that. So let me pull up here. Uh, I think those were some of the data points that we had prepared and wanted to share with all of you. But um, I know that there are questions as there typically have been when we've done these briefings. So Matt, maybe I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Dr. Rue. We'll start off with a question from the Associated Press. Are vaccinated people who are hospitalized generally less sick than unvaccinated people who wind up in the hospital? Yeah, so that's that's exactly right. And I, I think uh, it goes back to some of the data points that I mentioned earlier. Um, vaccinated people do tend to be uh, less likely to be sick, uh, even when they're hospitalized versus those who are uh, unvaccinated. And so if you look at the most recent CDC studies, um, if you are vaccinated, you're five times less likely to be infected with COVID to begin with. But then even after that, you're 10 times less likely to be hospitalized with COVID. And then even more powerful still, you're 11 times less likely to die from COVID. And so it really illustrates the point that um, the vaccines work. Uh, I think that's what the numbers all show. And uh, there've been many studies at this point and they continue to reinforce the same thing, uh, which is very reassuring. Now, there have been breakthrough infections uh, especially with the Delta variant. I think we, we have all heard and seen that. But what's interesting about that is even with the breakthrough infections, uh, the chances of someone being hospitalized or ventilated or dying from COVID 
are substantially less, which is uh, those numbers that I quoted earlier. So it underscores the importance of uh, getting vaccinated, uh, especially for uh, older populations, sicker populations, but even for younger populations, because the other concerning thing we're seeing, and maybe I should have shared this data point earlier as well, is that uh, as nine out of every 10 people admitted to our hospital with COVID are unvaccinated, we've also seen the average age of those COVID patients drop by more than 10 years. So it really is becoming more and more a younger person's uh, disease. Uh, you heard, if, I don't know if you remember, but uh, when we last had these press briefings, we were seeing that um, COVID patients in our hospitals about two thirds of them were greater than 65, one third were younger than 65. That's flipped now. And so it's a good reminder that uh, whether you're young or old, the vaccinations are absolutely important. Thank you, Dr. Rue. The next question is from northcentralpa.com. Do booster shots increase resistance to COVID-19 or merely extend the vaccine's duration? And what are the main appeals to getting a booster shot? Yeah, so, uh, I'm not sure I'm understanding. Can you say that one more time, Matt? So do booster shots increase resistance to COVID-19 or merely extend a vaccine's duration? Ah, so um, I think it's a little bit of both. The vaccines, I, maybe it's worth a step back. And um, the vaccines, all vaccines, not just the COVID vaccine, but the theory of vaccines is it trains your body to mount an immune response when you're exposed to whatever the target is. And so um, as you're exposed to that target, your body mounts the immune response and it allows it to help uh, fight and ward off that, that virus in this case. Um, that ability actually wanes or drops over time for all vaccines. It's why even for a tetanus vaccine, um, you need a booster. Or even for a pertussis vaccine, you need a booster. These are things that have been around for ages. Um, this is not anything new with the COVID vaccine. And so uh, the reason why you need a booster is because your body's, think of it as muscle memory, your body's ability to mount that immune response, it kind of forgets how to do that over time. And it needs a reminder uh, to reinforce and uh, rein reinstate that muscle memory to mount that immune response. And so that's why uh, these boosters are coming on board and that's why uh, they're coming out with the data around, should you get it after six months, eight months or whatever, um, but what we're also finding, though, is the vaccines are still holding up really well, even in the absence of a booster, against serious infection. And so uh, that's where the, you know, five times less likely to be infected, 10 times less likely to be hospitalized, 11 times less likely uh, to die from the virus. Uh, those numbers are still holding. Uh, but at the same time, of course, we want to dampen the spread of the virus. And that's the rationale behind the boosters. I don't know if that answers the question. Thank you. A couple of questions about the vaccine mandate. First from the press enterprise, what will happen when employee, the employee vaccination deadline comes on November 1st? Will people be fired and will there be a grace period to get vaccinated? Yes, yeah, so um, I think the bottom line as we've communicated all along is November 1 is the deadline and those who have not met our requirement by November 1, yes, they will be terminated. Um, you heard me say earlier that at this point, we're uh, less than 5% of our workers uh, who still need to uh, meet the requirement, but uh, that's being actively worked. And some of this is people who actually already got the vaccine, but need to submit the 
the cards and so forth. So we're working through all that administrative um, uh, work, but at the same time, we're seeing those numbers continue to go down each day, so, which is very reassuring. The other key thing to remember is originally we had targeted October 15th, but we actually extended by two weeks to give people plenty of time to go ahead and get vaccinated, get the information they need. And frankly, as we were anticipating and we did see with the boosters and at the time we thought that even the pediatric uh, approvals would come through. So we were anticipating that there'd be a lot of demand. And in fact, even without the pediatric approvals yet, we've seen some significant uptake in demand. And so we needed that extra time to still make these vaccines available. Although even outside of Geisinger at this point, there are plenty of places where people can get any of the three vaccines that are available. And also on the mandate from northcentralpa.com, have any staff left to avoid the new policy? So um, we've heard anecdotally of a very small handful um, that may have left because of the uh, because of the mandate. We don't know that for certain. I think uh, a big part of this, remember our deadline is not until November 1. So uh, we wouldn't expect to see big numbers of that uh, in advance of that deadline, but we'll see what we, uh, get to after that deadline passes. Although with the trends being what they are and already being, you know, above 95%, we're optimistic that uh, that'll continue to be a pretty small number. I think the other thing to remember is that um, uh, really since, I think it was August 25th or whenever we announced the mandate, um, the biggest thing has been bringing information uh, available to people who may have questions or concerns and everybody has their own scenario about, you know, whether it's their medical issues or other concerns they may have. We have some folks that have uh, just flat out been afraid of needles, believe it or not. And so it really has run the gamut. We've tried to bring that information to those folks, get them more comfortable. And I think that effort has really helped. I think the other thing to remember here is remember what I said earlier about quarantine. Uh, we have seen in recent weeks as many as really over a thousand. I think uh, recently we got to 11 or 1200 of our employees that have been out on quarantine because we follow those Department of Health guidelines um, and requirements on quarantining uh, protocols related to healthcare workers. And of course, many of those scenarios, if you look at them, uh, it's very different between vaccinated folks and unvaccinated folks. Vaccinated folks um, have much shorter periods of quarantine and in some scenarios don't need to quarantine at all. And so that's another big, big reason why uh, actually mandating the vaccine um, ends up um, helping us drive those numbers down as well as far as people being out on quarantine. And so uh, at the same time that all of this is going on, obviously we're uh, still very aggressively recruiting as we've done even from prior to the pandemic and even earlier in the pandemic. You know, this is industry-wide at this point that um, uh, there are decent numbers of folks who uh, decide that maybe healthcare isn't even for them. And so I think there's a lot of movement in the labor market, uh, whether it's healthcare or otherwise. So uh, the dust will continue to settle on that. But in the meantime, we wanna create the safest possible environment uh, because we know that that's important to an awful lot of folks too when they're selecting where to work. I think we have time for one last question from WKOK. What's the pandemic going to look like in the years ahead? 
Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I never know, Matt, about these uh, crystal ball questions. Um, but I think uh, there's a lot that's um, being speculated. And I think to some degree, though, uh, I think the most important thing for us to realize and to, uh, for all of us to embrace is we control our own destiny on this in many ways. That future is up to us. It's up to how we behave. It's up to how uh, we're able to do with these precautionary measures. Um, can we get more people vaccinated? Can we make sure that we're uh, being safe and uh, aware of our surroundings in terms of indoor, outdoor, mask versus not, spacing and distancing versus not, um, or for that matter, even hand hygiene. And so those actions, I think since the pandemic began, uh, have really shown to be proven ways to keep this thing at bay. And if we're able to do that, I think um, you know there's no reason why this can't end and go back to total normalcy. Now, a lot is being written about around the fact that this may become quote unquote endemic rather than pandemic which means that at some shape or in some shape or form, we'll be dealing with this for quite some time and you'll have pockets of activity that kind of come and go. Um, but uh, I think even that is something that we can keep pretty minimal if we follow the right precautionary measures. Thank you.